power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello and welcome to episode two of Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie, providing digital content and marketing solutions for SMEs throughout Ireland and the UK. Every week we explore what is happening in the Irish film industry and beyond. I'm your host, Gary Kelly, and in this week's show we'll be speaking again to Lisa Tracy and Kieran Dorian about making the grade thoroughbreds and love simon we'll also be speaking to the director of making the grade ken wardrop so stay listening for that first up joining me in our loft studio today in galway city is lisa and kieran to first talk about making the grade now go from the beginning and then we and then i go away and listen to you yeah off you go then Because uh, when I play slow with dynamics, Eileen always goes to me and she says, play faster, play faster. So uh, I like that now when she tells me to play faster. He will go wrong in the same place every time, which drives you crazy. Go back and, and where you can pick up comfortably. play very beautifully. Last week when we were speaking, Lisa, you were saying that Michael Inside, it was a very dark movie. It was a little bit depressing. Mm -hmm. This is the complete opposite, isn't it? Making the grade. Absolutely. I've never been so cheerful coming out of a film. Well, okay, I have been in cheerful out of a few films, but out of an Irish film, it's rare. So uh, I, I really enjoyed it. It was sweet. It was it was engaging. It was it was nostalgic because you're thinking back to your own piano lessons when you were a kid and you're going, no, oh, I was crap. But, you know, if I'd only stuck with it, I could have made grade <laughs> one. But uh, it was really sweet. It was really good. And the kids are so talented. Like and the adults, too. Shout out to the piano teachers. They're very, very talented people and very patient people. And what's interesting in this is when people go in for their exam, you don't get to see the outcome. Yeah, we it was d- a very it was a very good plot ploy. Because it's not, not about the that. result, really. It's, it's no. about the journey exactly. of learning the piano. Exactly. Kieran, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I was I was won over by this film as well. It's it's very charming. It's very sweet. I think it's deceptively simple as well. It uses the very simple structure of going through the is it the eight grades mm. and following each person at that level. The good thing about it is you can have older people at grade one and some very young people at grade eight and as I said using that very simple device structure you get a lovely snapshot into all these people's lives and all these quiet little moments between the the teacher and the students and uh, yeah it's it's a lovely charming film and you kind of come out with your your toes tapping I remember as soon as the film finished I kind of overheard the person beside me just go that was brilliant but it was too short that's what you want from mm-hmm. a film like yeah. and especially documentary which can be very hard hitting and, and mm. wrenching and 
sort of overcomplicated. This was this was just truly charming. Yeah. Did you think going in that you would be captivated so much by a documentary about playing the piano? Well, I, I did because I seen the trailer for it last week and the trailer had me laughing and kind of almost clapping at that point. So I was won over before I even seen the film. And in, I'm a big fan of Ken Wardrop, so I was a big fan of his film, His and Hers, which is kind of almost in one way is the opposite, which is quite gut-wrenching and quite a, quite emotional. And this documentary is emotional. You, you, I think there's bits that will bring tears to your eyes, little mm. bits that are very poignant in that, but then there's other bits that are sort of laugh out. I felt loud funny. I mean, I was prepared to see something special when I seen this movie and, and I wasn't disappointed. Yeah, defo. Unfortunately, it seems they've only gotten a limited cinema release. So far. So far. Yeah. So maybe they're just testing the waters. I'd say so. Hope so. Yeah, I think... his and hers did very well, didn't it? Yeah, his and hers did well mm-hmm. and I think it played well internationally. So I, I would like to see this go beyond Ireland and that, but I, I'd like to see it a, a nationwide cinema release because I can see parents bringing their kids to see it because it works on so many uh, levels like um even if you just want to see into other people's houses it's great <laughs> it's a great little microcosm of, uh, of Irish living and that what i love to do is um if, if we're playing piano and there's the cat there and if she's telling me something i like to go oh how's the cats you know you know kind of distract her from the actual work we're doing does she drink milk or water water really yeah what does felix drink milk Normally, but he likes to drink. He likes both. I she is all natural stuff. Mm, my cat isn't. You know, that's kind of like my plan to waste time in the piano lesson talking about the cats. I know oh. you'd love to chat for half an hour, but we can't, okay? Bye bye, pet. Off you go. Okay, let's get started. A flat. Swinging. You're not swinging. Again. Right. When you play the last note, try not to do that. That's a clip there taken from the documentary Making the Grade, and we'll be speaking to the director of it, Ken Wardrop, later on. Okay, so he's been in The Simpsons, he's been in Game of Thrones, he's been in Bridget Jones' Baby, Home and Away. There's going to be an actual fest, Ed Fest, taking place next month in Galway. We're talking about the one and only Ed Sheeran who's possibly going to appear in a comedy film based around the music of The Beatles. That's a lot of information to blow my mind. (laughs) The movie's called All You Need Is Love, but it's a world that exists without The (gasps) Beatles. Sacrilege. It's been written by Richard Curtis. Oh. I was going to say this sounds like a Richard Curtis idea. Uh Uh-huh. Guess who's directing it? Hugh Grant. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Boyle. No wow. way. Yeah. Interesting combination Wow, there. that's an interesting combo. Yeah, for those who can't recall, Richard Curtis is behind Four Weddings and a Funeral. Love Actually, Mr. Bean. And um, Danny Boyle, sure. He's Danny Boyle. He's Danny Boyle. Yeah. yeah. Good Ross Common, man. Stand slow, I thought. Ah, that side. <laughs> 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 so it's the train spot in Love Actually, Ed Sheeran, <laughs> mashup. mashup. <laughs> We've all been... With Beatles music. With Beatles, Beatles music. music. Yeah, is Ed Sheeran the main star in it? Like... Is he supposed to carry the film? Or? I don't know. Sometimes I they just create it. these headlines just to get people like us talking about it oh. on a podcast. Oh, they're clever. They know <laughs> what they're <worked>. doing. <laughs> Netflix. A lot of people out there avail of content on Netflix nowadays. And I was delighted to hear that Monty Python's back catalogue is now officially available on Netflix. Yes, I'm going to start watching. What's the one with King Arthur? What's that called again? The Holy Grail. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that one, so I'm going to start watching Oh, that's that, that's brilliant. I think it'll be my second favourite. Afterlife of Brian? Afterlife of Brian. I've seen yeah. Life of Brian a lot. Yeah. 
Also, there is Monty Python Conquers America. Monty Python's Almost the Truth. The Meaning of Life, I think, is in it. Yeah, the third feature film. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit out there, isn't it's it? It's very out there. More of a collection of bizarre sketches and scenes, but uh, it's quite famous for the song Every Sperm is Sacred. Oh. I'll leave that hanging in the air there. <laughs> but the exciting news from this is that a number of original commissions from the troupe are being eyed up by Netflix. Interesting. Huh. Mm. Interesting. Now, I know, I think John Cleese has gone through a number of divorces over the years. He needs the money. And apparently he's been getting the troupe together oh. to do the, the live performances and the one they did a couple of years ago uh, to try and get money, I suppose, back in the bank account. So I think he's certainly one who would be up for getting together and doing a few shows. But obviously, they're not going to have the original troupe together because, of course, Graham Chapman passed away there in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And two years ago, they announced that Terry Jones was diagnosed with a severe form of dementia. So you're looking at Michael Palin, Eric Idle, Terry Gilliam and John Cleese. Speaking of Monty Python, fans of Terry Gilliam would be happy to know that he's finally got his film version of The Man Who Killed Don Coyote after decades and decades of trying to get this project off the ground. And... He did start production on it before, but there's a very famous documentary called Lost in La Mancha that showed uh, how that whole production fell apart and they had problems with actors becoming sick and sets kind of washing away. But he's finally managed to realise his vision with Jonathan Price's in the title role and I think Adam Driver taking over and that's coming out later on in the year. So The Man Who Killed Don Quixote expected to be out in cinemas in Ireland and the UK provisionally September 2018. So something to look forward to there. Holy... <coughs> Amanda, this is my stepdad, Mark. How long are you here, Amanda? My mom's going to pick me up around midnight. Midnight's late for us. I'll call your mom. She can come pick you up now. She's busy. Doing what? Chemotherapy. You hate him. You despise him. Honey, <laughs> you can't go in looking like that. I'm fine. Let me just... I'm not going to have to stand here all day like a robot repeating myself. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You ever think about just killing him? Anyway, you cannot hesitate. The only thing worse than being incompetent or being unkind or being evil is being indecisive. Okay. Shall we? So that's a clip taken from the movie Thoroughbreds from writer-director Corey Finley about two upper-class teenage girls in suburban Connecticut rekindling their unlikely friendship after years of growing apart. Kieran, you like your horrors. <laughs> I do, I do. Did it fulfil? Yeah, it's, it's not exactly a horror. It's more probably billed as a, as a black comedy. It centres on these sort of two rich teenage girls who kind of reconnect after years apart. One of the girls, played by Olivia Gluck, she says she doesn't uh, feel emotions, so she's quite sociopathic, so she's quite distant and restrained, and she likes to kind of view the, the elitist people that are around her with sort of d distracted disdain. So when her friend comes back into her life, played by Anna Taylor-Joy, who's having problems with her stepfather, her stepfather just has married her mother and wants her mother as a trophy wife and just doesn't want anything to do with the daughter... Between the two of them, this defies a plan to kill the stepfather. This is all sort of revealed fairly quickly, and it's, and it's in, in the trailers as well. So then you just kind of follow these two girls as they kind of hatch this kind of plan to sort of off the stepfather. And from there, it just kind of explores their little kind of tit-for-tat relationship. You think it's more about the murder, but it's more about these two kind of 
who are in this very rich, vapid lifestyle and they're just trying to find a little bit of meaning in their life. So they're kind of constantly challenging each other to do kind of increasingly sort of bizarre and sort of dangerous things. And they're very kind of cold and emotionless and perfect in a way. So then they kind of entrap another kind of local weed seller played by the, the late, great Al- Anton Yelchin. Was this his last This film? is his last cinema f- film that's going to be released in, in the cinema and the film's kind of dedicated to him. Mm. So they kind of ensnare him in their plan to sort of kill the, the stepdad and hijinks sort of ensue from there. And it's shot in this uh, really upper class kind of area of Connecticut. So it's all these perfect manicured lawns and mm. these gorgeous houses and the kind of the camera is constantly kind of doing these beautiful kind of steady cam shots of this beautiful porcelain kind of world that they live in but obviously underneath it's it's all a facade and these two girls slowly become like a hand grenade into this world i really enjoyed it a lot of the characters are very very unlikable in it and they're designed to be that way so if you're looking for people that you you're going to like and follow you through this journey, you you might not like it, but if you want to see two bitchy brats mm. just tear up the neighborhood, then there's a lot to like in this movie. Um, it's very well directed by a first-time director, Corey Finley is his name. Yeah, directorial debut. Yeah, and judging by this, he's going to go far. Like, he's um, got a very unique style. There wasn't many at the cinema that I was watching it. Yeah, but it hasn't be- done very well in the Irish box office. I haven't even seen a trailer for it on TV, though. And I was about to say, is that really the issue, that if we just, we're not hearing or seeing about it, but it's Maybe. actually a good movie? Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely slipped under the radar. I would tend to watch a lot of trailers anyway, and so I seen this a couple of weeks ago and then I was like oh I can't wait to see this whenever this comes out and then it was already in the cinema mm. without me realising and ah. that so I don't know if it's because there's a glut of movies and just certain things are going to just slip under the radar but it's it's a nice little nasty treat on a, on a Wednesday night if, <laughs> if you're thinking about going to the cinema cool out of five cool. I'm going to give it four. Very solid four. Ooh, excellent. Very good. Okay, Lisa is going to be talking to us next about Love, Simon. I need you to hear this. You are still you, Simon. You are still the same son who I love to tease and who your father depends on for just about everything. But you get to exhale now, Simon. You get to be more you than you have been in in a very long time. You deserve everything you want. There you go. That's a clip taken from the movie Love, Simon from director Greg Berlanti. Lisa, is it a real feel good? It's adorable. It's so cute. It's like a proper rom-com, Hollywood rom-com. It's just the protagonists are slightly different to the normal run of the mill Mm. rom-com. And uh, it's it's really like it's a teenage movie, but it's not it's not dark and edgy like you'd expect it. It could go that way. So uh, you have like Simon and he's like wrestling with the fact that he's gay and nobody knows and he hasn't come out yet and then he's getting blackmailed and stuff and and then he has to try and kind of overcome things and tell the parents and tell everybody and he's he's just a really good kid 
he's like he's strong and he's you know a, a hero like he's actually a hero because he does everything he comes out and he tells everybody in the end and he's very he's very empowering and he empowers others to do the same and they do different things like they not only come out to their parents they come out about having different things that have happened to them and they tell them and they you know it's it's a really cute movie i like it a good four and a half out of five. So, so Lisa, there's been a lot of films in recent years made about this theme of uh, teenagers coming out and revealing their sexuality to their peers. What makes this film stand out and work so well? Because it is getting great reviews worldwide. I think the fact that he's got such a kind of maybe a safe home life that it, it makes it different because his parents are like rock solid. And like he says that at the very beginning of the movie. And they're they're really sweet. When he eventually comes out to them, like they were just they're oh they're adorable, as you'd expect. Like mm. you wouldn't expect them to be any other way. I think the fact that his home life is so solid that he's able to come out, it, it doesn't give you the fear that other movies do. You know, you you don't worry for the kid. Yeah. You don't think he's gonna, you know, do anything. You just think, oh, everything's actually gonna work out okay. So it's a good, happy movie. Good, good, good. Yeah. So you decided to see happy movies this week? I did. I saw all the happy movies this week. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I think you should go see Thoroughbreds or else the two <laughs> carols from Thoroughbreds <laughs> should just wander into Love, Simon <laughs> just <laughs> to rip down the blades of grass. And that. But it does, it sound, it, it does sound, sound great, actually. I must go check it out. Yeah. So Lisa and Karen, many thanks for joining us today in GK Media's recording studio. Before I let you go, I got to find out what score are you giving making the grade eight eight out of five eight Excellent. out of ten <laughs> so four out of five four out of five <laughs> I, i'm gonna give it the full grade eight i think i would as well i give it a five out of five for sure yeah no i'm, yeah. Gi- I'm sorry do We're you confusing you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna, gonna give it are we doing out of five or out of ten we're doing out of five we're doing out of five i'm gonna give you a b out of ten <laughs> <laughs> okay four out of five across the across the table no five out of five. Oh, five out of five yeah yeah I give it a four out of five, but a very solid four out of five. Yeah. Definitely. So you were given an eight out of eight then? I was, yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> solid. <laughs> Look, it's a, it's a beautiful film. People definitely have to go and check it out while it is on limited release in cinemas. And as we were saying earlier as well, hopefully people will get to see it nationwide in their local cinema very, very soon. But I was lucky enough to catch up during the week with director Ken Wardrop to talk about his new documentary making the grade i feel they have to put in and i think the word is in english actually also it's a french word really basically nuance their own nuance to put in their own little character actually it probably the word is character but it's really more than character it's their own nuance their own little mark and feeling and their own little Nuance is the word. I don't know how else to say it. I looked it up in uh, uh, the Oxford Dictionary and it is there. D minor first, please. Now, that was dreadful, so we're going to try again. So take your time, yeah? I'm delighted to be joined by the award-winning Irish director, Ken Wardrop. Ken, thanks very much for joining us on Just Like in the Movies. Thank you so much for uh, having the chat. When I heard the concept for this documentary, I said to myself, how can you make an interesting documentary simply about people playing the piano? But you managed to do it. I actually thought it was a genius idea when I came up with it. I was like, no one made this before. 
I suppose one of the reasons being I've always enjoyed piano music and I would use it as working music across all of my previous films. I have this box set of like famous piano pieces and it's the first port of call when I make something I, I, I get out the CD collection and I try to find something that will fit. So I've always had a fondness and I think it goes back as far as when my granny would play the piano. She used to play the organ in church. Now, she wasn't great, God love her, but she was the only one that could play it. And she would practice and I would be propped up beside her on the stool. In fact, I've not said that in all the Q&As I've been doing about what would have inspired me. So, yeah, but the initial inspiration came for, from a much more basic issue. I was putting in insulation in the house and it brought out the wall 10 centimeters. And my partner has a piano or had a piano, should I say, and it no longer fits in the alcove. And that was really dramatic because I didn't realize this was going to be the outcome. And he had to get rid of the piano and we had to downsize. And of course, he was very upset about that. And he loved this piano and it has a special sound and so forth. And I didn't connect the pianos in that way. The, the one that was in my house growing up was an obsolete piece of furniture that my mum put the Ainsley collection on top of. And it had one note that would work and it was always a fun kind of exercise to try to find it. So I've had this kind of strange relationship with pianos and it was actually the piano as an instrument drew me in initially for this Arts Council brief that's called Real Art, Documenting the Arts, where I was kind of wondering if there was something kind of abstract in this world. And then as I explored further, I discovered that the Royal Irish Academy of Music are amongst a few academies in the country that run this grading scale. And, you know, as a filmmaker, you're always looking for a narrative thread. And I thought, oh, wait a minute, here's grade one through to eight. You start at the beginning and at the end, you should become an accomplished pianist. And I really got excited about that format and the opportunity then to talk to lots of different teachers. And as I delved a little bit deeper, I realized, gosh, piano teachers are extraordinarily interesting people, quirky, dynamic, passionate, energized about their subject. I didn't realize that there's over 30,000 people in Ireland who prepare for piano exams every year. Yeah, it's kind of major, isn't it? I certainly didn't realize that. But now looking back on it, there were quite a lot of my friends and contemporaries that would have learned piano over the years. There's lots of beautiful moments in it, but like, how long do you have to be there filming in someone's sitting room before you actually get that little golden moment that you know you're going to include in the documentary? Well, not really that long. I mean, uh, every class was 30 minutes. And I think... We would say to the students, I'm thinking back now, it, it would be around 50 minutes that we would need them for. So by the time we set up, we got our lights thrown up and we started to record. Maybe the lesson was 40 minutes as opposed to 30 minutes. And we did try to keep it like a normal lesson that it would run from start to finish. Obviously, I was moving the camera and I'd have to stop and interfere and we'd have sound issues and maybe I would direct it in a particular way so that I wasn't always getting the same type of scale or, you know, the same piece was being played again and again. Also, what you're really good at is getting people to open up and to share their stories. How do you do that? Well, I mean, that's my job as a documentary maker. It's probably one of the only things I'm very 
competent at part of the process is getting to know the people and you know ensuring that they trust you and that they're uh, they know about the project and its intentions and you know in this case we were making a film to celebrate music and celebrate the learning of piano and i think you know when the people know it's not an expose or you're not a journalist trying to on you know unearth some new story and that you're just going out to do something simple and bring a bit of life and a bit of honesty to it i think it makes the process a lot easier I think what's really good about this film as well is it's all shot in daylight. There's a tendency at times that a lot of Irish productions, they can be quite grey and gloomy and depressing. But I, as you said yourself, you've got a fantastic summer. And I think when we just allow daylight into something, it just brightens up the whole world. But it does add <laughs> that extra warmness, I think, to a story. You know, I completely agree. And it made my life. I was doing the camera work all by myself this time. I didn't have a budget or a big enough budget, should I say, to have a camera person because I wanted an editor. But I just got so lucky because it was so sunny. All I had to do was redraw up the light and bounce it around the room and make it look uh, sort of bright, airy and cheery. And that really suited the story. Just finally, Ken, you know, for young filmmakers out there that would be listening to us what is it like for someone trying to make a living today in the Irish film industry when you have you know a documentary from a few years ago that was a huge success where you're now suddenly working on a much smaller budget production well it is a tough life you know I I'll put my hands up to say that I can't make a living full-time as a filmmaker and I fortunately work with my colleague Andrew Friedman, who produces the films, and we have a commercial company together, and we make TV ads, and that has kept us afloat over the years. And we have then used our make films as a labour of loves, really. And sometimes we hit it lucky, and sometimes we don't in filmland, and we end up probably spending money on them. I haven't cracked it because. I'm not a prolific filmmaker. I take my time. I don't rush it. I think after the success of His and Hers, I was really apprehensive of making another film. And a little bit of success, therefore, was dangerous. And I lost a bit of confidence in in who I was and what I was about. And I think you really have to go into the career with a definite plan of attack. And I see now some filmmakers who have a current, you know, a a slate of projects in development that they're turning over at different times. So you'll have something in development, something in production, you know, something just out of post Mm. that's being released. But they're few and far between because it's, it's, you know, you're, you're relying on, you know, the Irish film board and financiers that only have a certain pot and that pot has to be spread around so many filmmakers and, yeah, I, I think you do need to have something as backup, whether it is teaching or, or in my case, commercials. As I said, it's not a job. It's I'm doing something I love. So I never, ever wake up going, oh, goodness, I have to go to work today. That thankfully yeah. left. The day I left architecture, which was what I, you know, I was an office manager. I wasn't in the arts office. <laughs> like, now I never know what the next day is going to hold. And, you know, here I am chatting to you. And tomorrow, on Friday night, I have the, you know, the opening night of the film here at the IFI Dublin. Brilliant. And 
you know, it's such a mixed bag. And next week I'll probably be pitching on a project. So you just never know what's around the corner and it makes it a little bit, a little bit easier to take your, your midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> but, well. but honestly, is that the way you like it or is that just a set of circumstances that you have to accept? I accept it. I don't mind it. Personally, I don't mind not knowing what's around the corner. I think I'm, if I had a family and I had a large mortgage, I'd be petrified. Um, you know, I don't. I have a Jack Russell and I have no mortgage. <laughs> you know, the whole chasing the money, I haven't bought into this. It's not your nature. Because with the success of his and hers, you know, that was your opportunity where you could have just milked it, as they say, when, you know, when, when you've well, had no, a really, I, but I you didn't do that. Away. It wasn't that big a success. And I certainly didn't make it, like we made very little money in the long term out of that. But I know what you're getting at because I did have opportunities to go to LA and meet with agents and had introductions. Obviously, it had won an award in Sundance and, you know, I was maybe the toast of the town for a little while. And I could have capitalized on it. I certainly could have. But I didn't exactly try. I felt really uncomfortable. We were just talking about this last night. Even, like, the city of LA just felt like such an alien place for mm. me. And I, I just didn't want to it. So the idea that I would have to go... And, you know, make that part of my life. I mean, it was never on the agenda, to be honest. It just wasn't. What's the big vision for Ken? What would you love to see, whether it be standing on the stage accepting an Oscar or making a project that's been in the back of your mind for 20 years? What's, what's the big vision you have for yourself? Do I fancy winning an Oscar? It would be total lie to say that it wouldn't have crossed your mind. Uh, <laughs> what would I like? It's a really great question. Um, and it'd be really stupid of me to say just to be happy and content to be making stories that people want to go and see. Well, Ken, thanks a million for joining us on Just Like in the Movies and the very best of luck with making the grade. Many thanks. Appreciate it. Can't afford marketing personnel for your business? Don't worry. Just head over to gkmedia.ie where you could have your very own professional marketing team for less than €100 Euro per week. Check out our marketing solutions packages by visiting gkmedia.ie. Well, thanks very much for listening to Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email movies at gkmedia.ie and you can find all our podcasts and other related film info on that website. Until we talk to you next week, take care. 